What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We have a fun one with David Wood, and David is a professional coach. He helps high-performing entrepreneurs. Um, he kind of helps his own uh, clients get unstuck in their own way. Uh, he talks about efficiency, so he helps people achieve more by focusing on less. So we kick off the episode kind of just having some fun banter, Tim, David, and I, you know, just kind of getting to know each other. So do a little of that. And then David gets into his most recent venture of getting himself unstuck. And this is while he was living in Bali, tells us that was his favorite place he's lived. He's lived a lot of different places around the world, but goes into what was holding him back. And he's actually facing some jail time and possible deportation. So we obviously had to get into that story. He goes into how he reinvented himself, started a business from scratch, you know, walked away from a lot to build a lot more. Uh, then he talks about how we can inadvertently create drama in our lives and how to avoid kind of stepping on those landmines ourselves. And he dives into how we can have more courage and assess risk in your decision making and how when we understand the consequences of our decisions, we start to make different ones. Tim, what do you think of our conversation with David? Yeah, I, I enjoyed our conversation with David. His his energy was just infectious as soon as he came on. Like I was just instantly in a better mood after talking to him. And you can just tell this man has like seen so much in life. Mm -hmm. he's, he's traveled a bunch of places and um, that gives you a, a lot of good perspective. And I'm thankful that he gave us the time today to share that. And uh, I mean, we could have talked to him for several hours yeah. but, uh, based, <laughs> based on what we were talking about. Um, but yeah, he talks about like the correlation between courage and happiness and um, what it means to like lean into your fears. Uh, he also talks about an exercise that he puts his clients through and that he does himself to kind of push you, um, push your boundaries out and, re and really get outside your comfort zone so you can, so you can grow. Um, and then he also talks about um, generating possibilities and um, talks about some of the common factors he sees with his clients in terms of people um, like building up walls for themselves. So he talks about like obstacles people overcome and he kind of takes that and brings it to this episode and gives us lessons um, that he's learned from that. Um, he talks about like what it means for the discovery phase with, e with each client and um, like how he, when he works with people, how he gains like a good picture about their life and um, then talks about his dream and what he would do if he had six months to live. So that was interesting as well. And then um, we end the show by kind of asking him like, how did he find the, his coaching business? Like, how did he find this niche? Like, what motivated him to go down that path? That was super interesting, especially towards the end of the episode. And then um, he finishes off, um, obviously, with our with our famous question, like, how does he want to be remembered? Um, and I, I thought that that was one of the best answers we've heard. So um, without further ado, I know you guys are going to love this episode. I know you're going to learn a lot. I know it's going to inspire you to step outside your comfort zone. Episode 162, David Wood. Getting unstuck. I like yeah. it. I like getting it. Getting unstuck I'm a, with my microphone too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of talking about courage, courage and truth telling. And um, I'm writing a book now called Name That Mouse because the elephant is not the only animal in the room. <laughs> and it's all about uh, courage and truth telling and revealing and um, it'd be a great way to get yourself unstuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe we... Uh kind of go into some of that, um, that, that courage, how you use that. And, uh, I know we sent over some questions. We got some questions as well. So we'll, uh, we'll kind of start with your side and make sure we hit all the things that, that you want to bring up and then we'll just kind of go from there. 
If you want, you can also skip all of my questions. I don't care. <laughs> I just like talking about being extraordinary and, and uh, having a great life. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, since uh, we're on the topic of unstuck, yeah, Tim and I started this podcast when we were both doing corporate jobs, didn't like it, just we had enough. So that's, that's where we started uh, when it was just, all right, we got to change something. And then over time, you know, doing a podcast, open certain doors uh, for each of us to where it led to something else. So it's kind of this um, weaving journey of, of how we started this and everything else seemed to weirdly fall into place. You know, so those curses were blessings in the long run, but, you know, things happen in the short term. We're like, oh, what, what are we going to do? But uh, yeah, this was always a, a constant. And yeah, it's, it's funny how it's worked out since we started this. Um, you, hearing you say that just had me, have me list four or five times in my life where I have made a paradigm shift or made a big change, like changing countries, changing jobs mm. like that as a way to get myself unstuck. So we can unpack that as well. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what would you say your most recent one was of, of getting yourself unstuck and you know, what felt stuck and, and how did you uh, get out of that, that stuckness, I guess that's a word now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just checking, are we live on, on the interview? Is this part of the interview or we're going to start soon? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we're, yeah, we're still recording and yeah, everything's oh, okay. good to go. Yeah. And one thing that, I mean, I don't know if you already mentioned this, but uh, once we're done, like we'll, we'll go back and edit this and we'll type up show notes and show description um, and we'll send you the, the final cut to your email. Um, and then you can let us know if there's any like revisions or anything you want us to make or anything to take out. Um, we'll work with you until you're ready to publish it so yeah okay great um can i record on my end too is that okay oh, yeah let me uh do that real quick there we go all right okay fantastic so if, if you want to ask that question again i'll i'll, uh, I'll answer it yeah so you uh you had mentioned that you wrote down four different uh times that you've gotten yourself unstuck you know you mentioned you've you've moved uh physical locations and things but was wondering you know, what your most recent one was and, and what was feeling stuck about that scenario yeah. uh, and, and what'd you do to change it uh, from your perspective? Great. So the most recent one was when I was in Bali and I got myself a mansion surrounded by rice paddies and I had a, an infinity pool and I had a slide that would take me from my balcony into the pool. That's um, awesome. I had staff looking after me, coming, doing my shopping, washing my scooter, um, giving me a massage every day. Like I had quite the comfortable life, but the comfort zone can get quite uncomfortable over time. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being of service. I wasn't active, passionately working on some kind of business project. And I need that. Uh, and just Prior to that, I had been working on an app and I taught myself Java and I, and I coded an app called Get Real, a question game to go deeper. But, but I wasn't, uh, it was like I was slowly dying of comfort. And I'd like to say that I decided I'm going to get myself unstuck from this. Uh, but the universe gave me a nudge. What I was doing in Bali is I was subletting one of my, I had a guest villa. And so I rented the whole place and then I sublet the, the, the guest villa on Airbnb. And you're not allowed to do that 
in Bali unless you have a work visa. Mm, so even even if you just had a roommate and you and the roommate's paying you, that's illegal wow. in in Bali. And so many people are doing it. I thought, look, I'm just going to take that risk, and if I get in trouble, I'll pay the fine and I'll get deported. But <laughs> I didn't. But I didn't realize there could be jail time. Oh, geez. Associated. And so when I had someone show up on my doorstep one day flashing a badge and speaking rapid Indonesian and saying, you need to appear for an interview tomorrow. And I spoke to a lawyer and he said, yeah, there might be some jail time while you're waiting for a trial. And I said, well, how long is that? How long are we talking about it? A couple of days, a couple of weeks, six months. And he said, it depends. Oh, and geez. I was like, I am not going to negotiate a bribe from within jail. That's not a good look on me. So, um, I spoke to another lawyer and the lawyer said, the best thing you could do is just leave the country fast oh, and wow. you know, come back a few months from now, you know, dismantle everything, don't, don't be renting anything and come back a few months from now and it'll all blow over. So I had to leave my cushy bubble and I had to leave it with hours notice. So just imagine if you, were, if you found out today that you had to leave the country that day and not come back. Um, cause she said I could come back, but are you going to, you going to trust someone else with your freedom like that? I'm like, I don't know if I, I can ever go back. So I, that was a big shock to the system. And then I, I had to reinvent myself. I'm like, what am I going to do now in the world? And fortunately, you know, I talked to a lot of friends and I, uh, got coaching and the answer was, you're a good coach. Go back to working with people one-on-one and be of service. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Now it wasn't easy because I'd let everything go. I'd been coaching for years and I built up a big reputation. I let my email list of 150,000 people atrophy to almost nothing because I was burned out and I was, I was sick of it. So I had to, from scratch, except for the goodwill that I'd built up in my life, I had to start. And that was very uncomfortable and very scary but when you don't have a lot of options, right? You got to do something mm-hmm. for for cash. Um, you've got to you've got to create something. So the universe helped me with that one. It really gave me a push out of the nest, and I had to I had to fly or or crash. Yeah. And and how long were you in Bali? I was in Bali for two and a half years. Wow. And when did this happen? When when did you uh, leave the country? Uh, it'd be three, about three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Pretty recent. So when you say redefine yourself, like what, what was the process of doing that? What did that look like? Uh, I guess, where did you, where did you start? Well, firstly, it's what am I going to do for money? Mm -hmm. That's one thing. That's a huge question. What am I going to do for money? Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of skills out of everything. I'm sick of working with coaches because I've done so much. I was the coach's coach for, for almost 20 years. And I had become a coach.com, which was, you know, if you look, search for, for coaching, I was all over the net. Um, but what am I going to do again? That was one big question. The second big question was, where am I going to live? Where's my home base? And uh, Bali wasn't an option for now. I mean, the lawyer said, come back in three months, it'll all blow over. But you really want to risk mm-hmm. landing at Bali and finding that she's wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, 
So, I mean, now I'm willing to risk it. I figure, you know, if I need to pay a fine or a bribe or something like that, but I can't imagine Bali's organized enough that they care about <laughs> something that happened five years ago and, you know, they're, they're tracking all that stuff. So now I feel more comfortable going back, but where am I going to live? Now I had lost my green card because, uh, which I had won in a lottery, by the way. I mean, this sounds like Willy Wonka land, but yeah. I'd won a green card in a, in a diversity lottery. Boom. You, life says, here, have a green card. And if you're gone for more than a year, they yank it. Mm -hmm. They just presume you've abandoned residency. So the one of the first things I did was go to a doctor because I had anxiety and depression coming out of this, this major life shift. So I got some, some medical help. The second thing I did was apply to get my green card back. And if you show extraordinary circumstances and can prove that you'd never really abandoned residency, um, then in rare circumstances, you can get it back. And I was successful in that. Uh, the guy at the, at the border said, you know, the border official said, did you lose your green card and get it back? And I said, yeah. He said, I've never seen one of these. Wow. So it was such, he said, how many years did it take to get it back? I said, three months. He was blown away. So that was the universe again saying, all right, I think you're supposed to be in the US, but I wasn't sure. So I landed in the US, dropped my bags at a friend's house and went straight to Colombia because I had wanted to travel South America. I wanted to see if I could actually dust off my Spanish from 20 years ago. And I thought maybe I'm supposed to live in South America. I don't know. I've got the green card, but let's go and see. So I went and spent six months paragliding in Medellin, Colombia to see if that's what needed to happen. And I found that I did not discover my tribe. My tribe wasn't living in Medellin. Cool people, digital nomads, but David Wood needs to be around people who are very progressive, um, really pushing the edge of truth telling and courage and personal growth. That's, that's where I'm, I'm happiest. So I had to let go of Columbia. I went and checked out Montreal. I went to Calgary in Canada. Uh, I checked out the Bay area again, San Francisco. And it turned out Boulder was somewhere I'd visited 20 years ago when I was backpacking the world. And I'd always thought I could, I could live, I could retire. I could settle somewhere like Boulder. So um, I, I had to make a choice and I wasn't sure if Boulder was it, but I was sick of not knowing where my socks were. I was sick of staying with friends and staying in different places and traveling. I traveled for, you know, including Columbia, it must've been one to two years. And I'm like, I, this is exotic and it's exciting. I just need to know where my socks are. I want a house, a cat, a dog, a car, and a partner. Yeah. That's what I kept telling people. I want all those things. And now I have, I have the house, I have the dog, I have the car. I don't have the cat and I don't have the partner. So mm. that's still a work in progress. The partner's showing up with the cat. Oh, there you go. Two birds, one stone. There you go. There you go. So ladies, if you're listening to this, <laughs> if you're single, you're awesome and you have a cat, reach out to me. Boulder. Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm willing to move for love. I don't, have, I don't have to stay in Boulder. All right. Open to interpretation, ladies. Yeah. Um, wow. You've, you've had a very interesting journey uh, from all the places you've traveled. Um, 
outside of, you know, where you are now, have you had a, a favorite spot where if it wasn't Boulder, it, it would have been here? Oh, definitely Bali. It was Bali. Definitely Bali. I, I was Damn there. sublets. <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't, don't sublet. I was, <laughs> I was there in, um, and, and look, by the way, I just realized that example of what I did in Bali is a good example of how to create drama in your life. Hmm. That's how, that's how you do it. You do something that's wrong or that other people think is wrong and you try and keep it a secret. Just watch friends on TV, <laughs> right? You keep a secret. That's how you create drama. So if you want more uh, excitement and drama in your life, then um, have secrets and be out of integrity. That's what I did. I was out of integrity and I was subletting and I knew it wasn't okay. And I did it anyway. And I thought I was up for the consequences. I found out the consequences were even more dire than, than I'd imagined. And it wasn't a fun time that day of leaving Bali and leaving everything behind. I'd left my cat behind. I left my house behind all my furniture, uh, my friends, my life, the staff that I'd trained, all of that. Boom. I had to go. And it was, I can't tell you how stressful it is when you watch the born identity and you see what spies do. It seems very exciting. No, was not exciting for me going through the airport and not knowing if I was flagged not knowing if I was going to make it out of the country. That was not fun for me. I realized I'd make a lousy spy because I can't really handle it. So I just want to make that point by being out of integrity, by keeping secrets from people, that's how we create drama. So I want to make that point. And I've forgotten if there was a question, I apologize. I've forgotten completely what it, what it was. Oh, the favorite spot in 93, I went to Bali and I was so moved by how, open and friendly and honestly happy the people were that I was there visiting their country. Mm. That was so awesome. delightful. And I'm like, all right. And that's why I, I moved to, to Bali to immerse myself and learn Indonesian, learn common Balinese, learn polite Balinese. So I could sit with them in their own language and speak. And I, I miss it. More than any other place in the uh, on the earth, I miss Bali. And so, if I didn't have uh, Bella, my dog's at my feet right now. Mm. If I didn't have Bella, I I would have already gone back to Bali for a trip. But I have to leave her behind because you're not allowed to have you're not allowed to bring any dogs into Bali under any circumstances. And I've thought about smuggling a dog in, but there's another example <laughs> of escalating and increasing your chance for drama for $2,000. There's organizations that will get a dog into Bali, but if they catch you, they shoot the dog. Oh, That's what happens. Yeah. So I'm not willing, I'm not willing to, to do that. So one thing that I get really excited talking about is courage. And I, I say to all my clients and I say to anyone who'll listen just work out the consequences, the possible consequences. Because I used to be an actuary and it was all about risk assessment. Mm. Work out what could happen if you do something and are you willing to accept those consequences? This is responsibility. So let's suppose you broke an agreement with your partner and you've been holding on to that, right? There's a, there's a good example of something that people might keep as a secret. You might think, Oh, I heard David on this show and he was talking about telling the truth and taking risks. And I wonder if I'm willing to do that, write down the consequences. My partner could leave me. 
You know, maybe, maybe he or she's going to take the kids. Um, what else could happen? They could get angry. They could get upset. It could be really awkward. I could have to suffer the cold shoulder for some time. Write it down and then decide if you're willing to risk that for more possible connection, for more possible love, for more self-expression, for more peace in your own nervous system. Ask yourself, am I willing to take the risk? And if you're not, okay, don't do it. And if you are, then okay, you can roll the dice. And that's a great point because I think when you understand the risks with whatever it is um, and you accept it, then if it does go that way, it's not as shocking to your system. You know, there's no surprise. And I would like to think that the letdown hurts a little bit less when you know, you, you know, the potential end results. Um, but well, I accepted this. I did sign up for potentially this going in this direction. Um, so I would hope that it just, it hurts less when you have the expectation going in, this could be the result. Yeah. And I call it responsibility. Okay. Responsibility is taking ownership and saying, I am cause in the matter. And um, trying to think of something that I, ri I risked. One big risk I took to tell the truth was when I was working in, in the corporate world and I'm on Park Avenue consulting to big name companies at a very young age. And I wanted to quit, but I wanted to quit in a year. And I was clear. Um, I want to work for one more year. I might've been six months. I want to do six months and then go back to Australia. I felt out of integrity in taking on all these new clients in the company, knowing that I'm going to leave soon. I thought they might feel, they might want to make different decisions if they know I'm not going to be around long-term. So I did something I think is quite unusual. I told them, Hey, I, um, in six months time, I want to go back to Australia. Now I could quit now. You could fire me now because you know I want to leave. Or what I'm proposing is I'll do all the grunt work. I will take six months to move all my clients over to other people and make sure my replacement is fully trained by the time I leave. What do you say? Mm. They said, you're on. So I got to be self-expressed. I got to be, hey, everyone knows I'm going back to Australia. Nothing hidden. I got to move all my clients over and left on good terms with the company. That was a risk though. They could have fired me and I would have had to go back to Australia um, way earlier than I wanted to. But that, that, that's one that turned out well. Now, sometimes I might take a risk and I don't get what I want. But if I have mocked up the possibilities ahead of time, at least I can say, all right, you gave it a shot. You rolled the dice. I'm a fan of taking good bets. So if the upside looks bigger than the downside, then I'll roll the dice mm. all day, every day. And the problem is when we look at tough conversations and particularly confessions, the mind will often show us the scary stuff, but it won't show us the upside. Yeah. And so this is one reason I do podcast interviews like this one to say, look at the downside, but also look at the upside. If I was going to come clean, I could feel peace in my system. I could be more intimate with my partner. I could um, maybe uh, I'll learn something. I'll get a new opportunity because I've been honest with people. I said to Jack Canfield when, when I was trying to get him to write the forward to my book, I, I, I'm still surprised I said this. 
But I said, look, I want to be upfront with you. I'm asking Richard Branson as well. And if he says yes, I'm going to go with it. Um, but I wonder if he says no, would you be a backup? And he said, well, you're going alphabetically. I, under I understand that. <laughs> Classic Jack Canfield. Um, but I took a risk. He could have been offended and said, well, hey, screw you. I'm not going to write the forward sure. if I'm your second choice. He said, um, I, I would consider it. And in the end, Richard Branson said no. And Jack Canfield said yes. And I got to be truthful with him. I got to be self-expressed. Now, a lot of people would say, well, just shut up. Don't say that. But I think there are benefits to being truthful. I can't prove it. But maybe when I did go and have lunch with Jack at his house and he and his, he and his wife invited me to stay the night and uh, watch the presidential debates and go kickboxing with them in the morning. I'd like to think that if I wasn't super truthful, if I didn't take risks, then um, I wouldn't get that invite. Hmm. I don't think I would if I was just like everyone else and just hiding things and just, um, you know, I, I take risks. Now I do lose people. I do lose some people. They're like, I don't like you. I, I'm offended. Um, and then that's the last I hear of them. But I think when you tell the truth, you lose the people you're meant to lose. Hmm. And the people who are looking for you know where to hang out. Yeah. It's a good point. Hard to accept that not everyone's going to be pleased by what you're doing or how you do it. But then there's the, the peace of mind is there are people looking for exactly that way too. Yeah. So it, it goes both ways. That's yeah. excellent. I think you'll make more money. I think yeah. you'll make more money if you, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying tell the truth a hundred percent of the time, right? Obviously I didn't do it in Bali. I didn't notice my camera just went out, oh, of, yeah. out of focus. Um, I, I'll stop the camera and just start it again. In Bali, um, I, you know, I aspire to tell the truth all the time. That would, that I'd be inspired by myself if I'd gone to that interview and said, yeah, you're right. That's what I was doing. You want to put me in jail? Okay. You want to talk about a bribe while I'm in jail? Okay. Right. Like, I think that's noble, but I chose not to. I didn't want to have that conversation from, from jail. I didn't want to be negotiating a bribe, so I didn't do it. So I'm not saying all the time you should tell the truth. Just work out the consequences and decide. It may be I'll go 30% more truthful. What would life look like if you told the truth 30% more times than you do now? I say you'll attract people to you, the right people, and you will make more money. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that as well. And then you all, I mean... And the, just the, the questions we have as well, I wanted to hit on the, the correlation between courage and happiness. Do you want to hit on that in terms of what, I mean, I think it said 30% more courage is will double your happiness. Do you want to expand upon that kind of uh, going to that a little bit? Yeah. I find that like when I was a kid, I find the things that I regret most are the things I didn't do. Mm -hmm. And particularly the things I didn't do out of fear. I regret those things, almost every single one. So one thing is I didn't stand up to bullies when I was a kid. And I was senior belt of my karate class, <laughs> but I was scared of, 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 of conflict and I was scared of being beaten up. I wish that just once I'd punched a bully on the nose and taken a beating. 
I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd asked out the women I was attracted to, the girls I was attracted to in high school. And, you know, I would have gotten a bunch of no's, but I would have felt better about myself with the right coaching. I would have felt better about myself for going for it. And every now and then I would have gotten a yes. My life would have been different. And so later in life, I found that if I'm afraid of something, I lean into it. My psychiatrist called me counterphobic. I'm afraid of heights. So I'll go and do paragliding to see if I can conquer that fear. Mm. Um, Afraid of public speaking. (laughs) I've done 180 interviews in the last two years now. Um, Now I'm not afraid of it, but I used to be terrified. I nearly peed my pants going on national television (laughs) once. Literally, I lost three drops. Terrified. (laughs) But I'm so proud that I did that. And then after doing that, it gets a lot easier to go and be in front of people. So I'm a fan. I don't want anyone on their deathbed to have regret and say, if only, if only I'd listened to to David and Colin and Tim, if only I I had just found those things that are edgy for me and gone and done them as a self-expression exercise to be proud of myself. Uh, I want people to say, I gave it everything. I left nothing on the field. And so to do that, we need to find what's uncomfortable and we need to push the boundaries. Have you guys seen the Truman show? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces. With Jim Carrey. All right. Well, spoiler alert. uh, If you haven't seen the show, I'm about, I'm about to to give away some of it. Um, He has literal walls to his world. And, and, and that's not a figure of speech. He has walls and boundaries to his, to his world mm. and he doesn't even know it. And the, the show is about him finding those walls and busting through them. We have blinkers on, we have blinders. We've got our own comfort zone that forms the walls of our own reality. And whenever we practice deliberate discomfort, Whenever we practice courage and we do something that's edgy, we push back those boundaries. So our world gets a little bigger. Mm. And I'm, I'm inviting everyone to do that as a practice. Don't, don't go crazy. You know, you don't have to go and, you know, make every confession and, and jump off a cliff with a paraglider attached to your back or go on national TV. You don't, you find your own edge and here's a way to find it. Get a piece of paper, and right at the top of this piece of paper, what would I do if I was fearless? Now, you're not fearless, and that's fine. But if you were, just what would I do? And I recommend you have one page for business. What would I do in my business or job? And then another page for personal. What would I say to my partner if I was fearless? What would I ask for? What would I say no to? What would I say to my boss? What would I say... um, to my kids, if I, if I was fearless, this is a way of just discovering where our edges are and then circle two or three of them. You don't have to do them all, just circle two or three that are edgy. And then if those things go pretty well, you might be inclined the next week, I'm gonna just take two or three more on the list. This is the thing, if I was working with a client that wanted to push back their boundaries and wanted to explore what it's like, to um, be more courageous, this is the kind of thing we do week after week. All right. In fact, on my self-coaching form that I have all of my clients fill in before a session, there's a question, 
what would you do if you were fearless? Every single week, they have to answer that question. And then one client, he's like, well, I would ask so-and-so if he'd be open to promoting my product to his list. And right at the end of the session, I said, oh, that thing on your form, you want to do that? He's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm nervous. And so we got into it. Well, what could happen? He could feel awkward. He could feel uncomfortable. He could feel put on the spot. So we worked it a little bit. And at the end, he's like, all right. I'm going to do it. It's time. And, you know, we came up with some language that felt better to him and would give this other guy an out if he wanted to and off he goes. So it's a wonderful practice. Yeah. And is that how you get from circling it on the page to doing the thing is going through the potential consequences first? Yeah. And this is where coaching can really, can really help because you, you can't always see where your own block is. Now I could see that for him, the block was um, putting this guy on the spot and having him feel awkward about saying no to a friend. And so the language we came up with was what's your criteria for promotions? What do you look for? And what, what, if anything would make this fun for you to do it? And he's like, Oh yeah, I can ask that. So he, he went and did it. Um, but your, your point is a good one writing down what could happen. What's the good stuff that could happen from doing it. And what's the bad stuff that could happen? And also what's the likelihood? Because sometimes the mind will bring up something bad, like, oh, I could go to prison. But that's a very, very small chance. Um, so that can, be, that can be really helpful to work out if you should do it or not. And if you're willing to check the box and say, I accept the consequences, I accept the possible upside and the downside, I'm going to do it. Then um, go for it. Roll that dice take the risk. If it's got legal consequences, I recommend talking to a lawyer, yeah. <laughs> like, like you know, find out. And also you want to be, you know, this is why it's a bit hard to give a cookie cutter approach for every situation, but sure. also you want to be responsible for the impact that you're going to have on someone else. Um, if you're going to confess to something and your partner might get really upset, you want to be ready for that. They might be really upset and you need to be with them and take the ride. Mm with them yeah so don't go skydiving bungee jumping and ask out a girl all on the same day <laughs> that'd be a good day yeah. be a productive day i would say you don't need to do all those things <laughs> in the same day but if that yeah. calls to you if that's your edge go for it nah but bungee jumping isn't in my cards I'll, I'll jump out of a plane before i bungee jump yeah. Oh, me too. I, yeah. that's one thing I have not done. I've done skydiving, paragliding, hang gliding, um, but bungee jumping, getting those G forces and particularly upside down. I reckon my eyes are going to explode out of yeah. my head. So, <laughs> well, I feel like I'll trust a parachute more than a bungee cord pretty much. I've heard there's some rickety operations <laughs> of bungee jumping. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The thing is, what's your edge for you? For you, it might be walking over coals or, or it might be talking to an employee who's late for meetings and you just haven't done it because you don't really know how to bring it up and you don't want to make it a big thing. Maybe they're a bit sensitive and they're going to cry or whatever. That might be your edge. We've yeah. all got, we've got edges all around us. The, the, the fun thing is to find them. Oh, that's what I'm like an edge for me right now is asking a friend of mine to co-sign a housing loan. Mm. 
he might say, yes, oh, yeah, no problem. That's easy. I got surplus credit and I know, you know, I'll help you out with you because I'm, I'm split between the US and Australia. So it makes it hard for any bank in any particular country to say yes. Um, that's an edge for me. Am I going to do it? I don't know. I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to do that. It hasn't come up strong enough for me to do it, but, but I'm playing with it. I'm percolating, right? Nursing it. Maybe the right moment will come up and I'll, I'll ask, or um, I've been looking at some other options as well. So I may not, but I know where the edge is. Yeah. That would be edgy for me. And who knows what's going to happen? I, you know what? I just realized I haven't asked myself what's the upside. The obvious upside is I might be able to buy my own home, right? That's one obvious upside, but it might bring up a really great conversation about receiving and giving and, and, and our, our dynamic. Who knows? I might be more connected to him. Um, he might have an idea that I'd never, I've never thought of. Mm-hmm. See, I, see how like right here yeah. on the show, I'm now yeah. creating, creating upside that I hadn't seen before has me more interested now in having that conversation. I've got a friend who confessed to me that um, she plays out the whole conversation in her head and works out what she thinks is going to happen before she actually goes and speaks to the person. And I said, wow, it's like you're playing a tennis match and you're running over there and doing the shots for them. You're hitting for them. So you're playing the whole match on your own. Yeah. What would it be like if you just serve the ball and then waited for them to make their move and see what happens. And right. she was like, wow, I did not realize that that's what I'm doing all the time. I'm just working out how it's going to go. And then I don't even go and find out. Yeah. Oh, geez. But yeah, I can relate being there playing the movies in your head. And then you get in this frenzy and it's before you know it, like, how did I get in this rabbit hole? Yep. 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 The mind just brings up sometimes the, the absolute worst creating possibility is not a default place for most humans. We, we're, we're creatures of habit. We're, we're like a rat in a maze and we've got those walls of the Truman Show. Right now, I'm mixing my metaphors. Um, we've got all of that. And I think the job of the ego is to show us what could go wrong. It wants to protect us. Hey, don't do that. Don't touch that hot plate. You'll get burned. Okay, that's great. But we need to counteract that with possibility generation. I went and did a course with Landmark Education called the Landmark Forum, and they were ready for me. They cracked my cynicism. They cracked my heart open, and it was all about generating possibility. Possibility of connection, possibility of play, possibility of financial wealth. Wherever the mind goes, oh, no, that couldn't happen. Really? How do you know? What's the possibility you're going to generate over and over and over again? So someone said to me a couple of weeks ago, and this is one of the nicest things anyone's ever said. She said, you are the space in which anything is possible. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I aspire to be that. Sometimes I am that. Sometimes I'm not. But let's, let's, let's all be possibility generating machines for ourselves and for the people around us. Yeah, that's great. And, and David, you mentioned people have these walls, they build them up, maybe they don't realize it. 
are there common themes that you've noticed throughout your base of clients? Any, any commonalities you see? Is there like a, a self-talk something? Is it, you know, I'm sure there's a confidence piece, but are there any common things amongst your clients where you see why they've maybe created these walls? Yeah, I've noticed three big areas that are important. One is, is the productivity. Um, I'll mention them all and then say a little more about each productivity, money, and then leverage of your own time. So the productivity piece is like, do you have crystal clear goals for the, for 12 months, for seven days and for tomorrow and for the next 25 minutes? Not everybody has that. They just wake up and check email. Whoa. Agenda hijacked, right? Do you, do you book sprints? in your calendar where all distractions are turned off and you can say, this is what I'm going to get done in the next hour. And it actually happens. Most people, it doesn't work that way. And then there's mindset. So that's all in the productivity bucket. Um, and the mindset includes how you're showing up in the world with truth and courage. And uh, are you a possibility generating machine? So that's a lot right in that first bucket of productivity. Then the second bucket money how are your leads? Do you have a flood of leads if you've got your own business? A bit different if you have a job. Um, how's your conversion rate? People come to your website. Are they buying? And are you leveraging existing customers? Because it's so easy to chase new customers. Chase, 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 chase. Are you getting repeat sales from the people who are already uh, a fan of yours? Are you getting referrals and testimonials? And then the last bucket is leverage. Because for so many business owners, they are the bottleneck. We are the bottleneck in our own business. We're doing too much, mostly, and stuff that could be done by someone else and maybe could be done better and cheaper and with more fun by someone who loves doing that. So the third bucket is really important because I don't want to just help people double their revenue. I want to help you double your time off as well. And for that, you've got to be smarter and leveraged. So you've got to clarify your own genius. You've got to hire great talent at a good price. And then you've got to create teams that are almost self-managing. They generate their own goals. They generate their own accountability. They reach out to you if something's not going to be done on time and renegotiate it ahead of time. Imagine that. <laughs> so those are the three common buckets I've noticed. And I I don't usually take everyone through that piece by piece. I'm not a paint by numbers guy. I'm more of a, you speak, I'll listen. And then something will come out of my mouth. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, it, it could be any one of those nine areas that I just mentioned, but I, I, I work more intuitively now. I spent a lot of life running from the left brain. Now it's more, let's just see what, what, what comes out. Sure. Yeah, definitely a tailored approach to each scenario. Customized to every, I just had a client hired me to increase revenue. And yeah, she increased, she increased conversion rate by 25% very quickly. Then she got diagnosed with cancer. Oh. Now, one of the reasons I shifted from just coaching coaches to coaching business owners generally is I wanted to move well, this, this, this isn't going to make sense, but I, I wanted to move to business owners generally. I also wanted to move to working with a whole person. I can't just work with someone I'm making money. It's too dry for me. My heart's not in it. It's fun 
So we'll, we'll help you do that. But I wanted to work with you having the best life you possibly have. So when she was diagnosed with cancer, I did a session with her and her partner and things came out of my mouth that I've never spoken about before because something else was needed. I started talking, I got this image in my head of a mouse, a field mouse in a field and the hawk swooping down on the mouse. I don't know if you've seen this image and the mouse is there giving, giving the finger. <laughs> so the, as the hawk comes in, it's just like, like that. And I said, at the end of this session where we'd gone into feelings and emotions and whatever, I said, so you're going to be the hawk or the mouse. Interesting. And she really got it because she was, she was at the effect of what was happening. She was in victim mode, which is, which is understandable. I would be too. And I said, what are you going to do with this information? Are you going to be the mouse? And like, oh, poor me. Or are you going to be the hawk and, and really make something out of this? What game are you going to play now? So this is generating possibility. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a message recently and said, this diagnosis is the best thing that's ever happened to me. So if I, I don't have a paint by numbers system for when you're diagnosed with a life illness, I don't have a paint by numbers system for when someone shares, I haven't spoken to my mother for 10 years and I don't know how to, how to change that. I've got a coaching session coming up with a, with a cousin of mine who I haven't spoken to in probably 30 years. And um, my mother reached out and said, uh, yeah, she's having trouble. She's having a lot of trouble with, uh, um, you know, a family member won't speak to her and it's causing her a lot of pain. I said, I'd be happy to help. I'd be happy to help. So now we're going to have like my reconnection after 30 years is going to be a coaching session to see how I can help her come to peace, either with letting go and moving on or generating possibility. Um, well, it's all generating possibility. There's possibility of peace. There's a possibility of service. There's a possibility of reconnection. We're going to talk about that. I don't have a paint by number system for that. She'll speak. I'll listen. And then I'm quite curious to see what's going to come out, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be about possibility. Yeah. yeah and one thing, I mean, no matter who you talk to, there's going to be that discovery phase. You, you can't be serviceable to anybody unless you understand what's going on in their head. I want to ask you, so like in that discovery phase, have you found like any like really effective questions that you can ask up front to kind of, I mean, you, you mentioned they talk, you just listen. Yeah. But any good questions you ask to kind of create that where you're doing a lot of the listening? Sure. One question, uh, I have a number of questions that, that my clients get asked every single week because they have to fill in a form. Mm -hmm. They have to coach themselves as if I didn't exist because I don't want to replace what you can do on your own. What's the point of paying me money to do that? I want to see what you can do on your own. So you coach yourself and then um, I read it, come to the session and we, and we build upon that. So one question is um, what are you proud of that you've accomplished in the last week? Before we start looking at creating more, let's chew and swallow before we take another bite, let's, let's appreciate you for what you've done. That's really important. And the next question is, what did you say you would do, but you didn't do? So we can address that. 
Then I ask, what are you grateful for? Again, instead of focusing on where we want to go and the mountain we want to climb, let's turn around and enjoy the view because we can achieve much more on a platform of gratitude than we can on a platform of scarcity. Next question is, what's challenging you right now? Next question is, what opportunities are there for you to take advantage of? This is the possibility generating machine part of it. And then there's a question I really love. If you were fearless, what would you do? What would it look like if you were fearless? And then another question, which I'm thinking of adding to the form just today, I thought of adding it because it's such a good question. If you had six months to live, what would you be doing with your time? Really great way to find out what your values are and what you, what you care about. My recent answer, I mean, if I had six months, I might, um, I'd probably stick around Boulder because I have community here and I could go deeper into community. But, but a dream that I've had for a long time is, is um, going to LA and doing a two-year acting school and getting fully trained as an actor and auditioning every day for commercials and plays and movies, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just that'll be my, my life for at least a year. What a great question. If I had six months to live, what would I do with my time? Yeah. Yeah. Those are all really good questions that can get a lot of people to really think deeper than that surface level. Where I think a lot of people just try to stay and it's, it's comfortable to stay at that level. Right. But those questions force you to really get into the nitty gritty parts of things. Yep. I think I'm going to add that question. I have an intake form when people want to talk with me and see if we're a fit and see what they might need. I have a really great form with probing questions. And I think, I think that's a, I'm going to add that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. good I'm going to add that because that's something I really care about. I care more about that than I do about the money. Mm. Money's great. We, you know, money's right up there with oxygen as Zig Ziglar said, um, yeah, money isn't everything, but it rates right up there with oxygen. Yeah, right. Um, so that's fine. That's a great game to play, increasing money, but it's not the end goal. Yeah. David, how did you get into this style of coaching? Because this is I, a very like niche way to, to coach people and things, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's valuable. Uh, people need it. How did you kind of get into this coaching? I would love to tell you, and I just want to do a time check. I, yep. I, I'm available for the next eight minutes. Does that work for you guys? Yep. I, I, have, a, I have a coaching call in, in eight minutes. Okay, great. Okay. How I got into it is, well, firstly, I did landmark education. I went and did the forum and they, they just blew my heart open. And I realized that there are people who dedicate their lives to service. That wasn't even in my paradigm. I had no frame of reference for it. I didn't believe it. I thought they were just out for my money. And I'm like, wow. And then uh, I went back to Australia and I asked myself if I had six months to live, what would I do? And I was like, I'd be an entertainer. I'd play guitar and pubs, parties, I'd try and get on television. I'd do that. And so I did that for a year and a half. And then during that time, I met someone who was coaching professionally. And I'm like, wow, I had coached people by accident in the, in the Landmark Forum and changed somebody's life overnight. And I was hooked on that. I'm like, what? That was really good. And then when I found out it was becoming a profession, I went and trained as a coach. And then my training since then has been thousands of hours of, 
of coaching and, and conversations like this, plus 20 years of personal growth work, I have gone and sat with teachers and with gurus and spent tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands on my own education, my own development. And I've done things that would make your hair curl. And some people are like, no way would I ever do that. And I just keep pushing the edges. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got to this point today. That's yeah. great. What has been the most effective uh, method of gaining information? Was it spending time with those gurus? Like I'm sure each type of, of learning method has its own benefits, but um, like for someone like me, like I, I do like professional coaching with people who um, are looking to move jobs or um, cause I do resume writing too. So like if you're trying to like hone your craft and really become an expert of what, at what you're doing, I mean, where should you start? What's been the most effective way of learning for you as you kind of gained all that experience? Well, for me, I can, I can learn coaching techniques like read a book or do a course. And, and that's good. That gave me some good groundwork, but mm-hmm. it's more when something works on me. Mm-hmm. So I, I went and uh, assisted at an authentic relating training event and I didn't really know what it was all about. I, I thought I knew, actually, I thought I knew everything that they were going to teach because I'd done 20 years of communication, but watching them teach and then practicing the exercises and like, oh, wow, this curiosity game is amazing. I'm tapping into my own curiosity with another human being. I file it all away. So for me, it's monkey see, monkey do. I couldn't read about personal growth and be a coach worth a damn at all. It's me going through it myself that I think has, has got, because now I can share, I can say, you know what? I had something happen 20 years ago and this might, might help you. And it's a story at the right time that helps someone. Whereas if I read about it, yeah, sure. That's good. But I don't have any mm-hmm. credibility for it. So I don't, I don't know if that helps. If yeah, you want to, another thing that was really helpful is I hired someone who, who was an expert in what I wanted to be an expert in. I hired a coach who was great at coaching and she gave me all sorts of strategies and tips and, and showed me the way to do it. So getting a mentor um, who's been there and done it, I think is a great idea. Another way is to surround yourself with people who are rocking it out mm. in that field. So I've surrounded myself with people who, are, who just breathe authentic relating and courage and truth and emotional intimacy and vulnerability. That's, that's, and I'm learning all the time. I'm hosting people at my house um, in a couple of weeks and we're going to practice something called present moment awareness. If it's, if it's older than 30 seconds, you can't talk about it. It's only mm. what's coming up right now. I feel nervous as I look at you and I'm not sure what that's about. Maybe, maybe I'm hoping that you like me, right? Every time I do that, I learn. So that's another way that you could get really good in your field. Mm-hmm. Have rock good. stars. They're going to pull you yeah. forward. Excellent. That's good. Yeah. Tim and I talk about networking and, you know, who you have around you. And a lot of times the people on the same kind of goals and missions as you are end up being your closest people. Um, so that's, that's fascinating. You say it's, you know, hiring mentors and coaches and cause we're all about that. Um, David, I know we're on a time crunch here. Uh, we always end with kind of one question for all our guests, but I want to make sure that, you know, if there's any last, minute add-ons that you want to make sure you you throw in the show uh, that we do that before we kind of wrap things up here well i do have a gift basket of goodies for listeners um 
is, is now a good time to share that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I create, I, I looked at like, what can I create for people who've heard something here that called to them and they, and they want, want more. I have a cheat sheet on how to achieve twice as much in half the time, um, how to double your revenue and your time off. There's a six minute video, which is well worth the watch on how to apply that. Um, I'm writing a book called name that mouse, which will have you be a badass communicator and the kind of leader that people want to be around and you can get involved in the Kickstarter campaign. Um, also if you want to listen to my extraordinary focus podcast, you can do that. And the last thing that I have on that hidden page on my website is how to get on a 15 minute call with me. If you want to find out where the low hanging fruit is in your business Mm. and, um, see if we're a fit. So you can do all of those things at myfocusgift.com. I created that URL just to take you to the hidden page on my website. And again, that's myfocusgift.com. Awesome. And and we'll be sure to link that in our show notes. So when it's published and everything, people can just click on that and go right to it as well. Awesome. So uh, yeah, David, we always like to ask people when, when we're kind of wrapping up is how you would like to be remembered. So when, you know, your time is done, when, you know, it's the end, how do you want people to remember, remember you? This guy was very playful. Deep and was the space inside which anything is possible. That's how I'd like to be remembered. Love it. That was great. Love it. Yeah. Short and sweet. So powerful. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Hard one to follow up for our next guest. Sorry. For real. (laughs) All right, David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This is an awesome topic, man. This was super fascinating. Uh, We really enjoyed it. Appreciate your time. So uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch. And then, yeah, with the episode, we'll, We'll get that right over to you shortly. Thanks, guys. Great to meet you. And I loved all the questions. Likewise. Thanks, David. Take care.